I feel like I know a good drinking wine or, but if you're asking me to write your tasting notes, you don't want me to write your tasting notes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know how to get better at that, right? Well, no, tell me. You just drink more. (laughs) I I figured you would say that. Hello and welcome to the Real Estate Wine and More podcast. I'm your host, Howard Fletcher, and guess what? We're going to finally talk about wine again. Yeah, I know, it was a long break, but I'm in the middle of the vines again, so to speak. It's virtual, but I'm happy. So let's get this thing started. Come on, Russ. Why not go downtown for a bucket of nectar? Mac and cheese in the side of I want to go downtown for a bucket of deck bones. They're right next door to the taste of free. Dorothy Vaccaro is the general manager of Boxwood Winery in Middleburg, Virginia. Anyone who has spoken to me about Virginia wine over the course of the last five years has definitely heard me mention Boxwood. It's one of four or five wineries in Northern Virginia, Loudoun County, that I love to visit. So what more do I need to say? You know that I was pumped to have a conversation with somebody who is right in the middle of that mix. So with no further ado, here's my conversation with Dorothy Vaccaro of Boxwood Winery, Middleburg, Virginia. Enjoy. Yeah, you know, I was thinking right before this, you know, I've had to go to Zoom since this pandemic thing, but I was really disappointed because I don't need much of an excuse to drive down to Middleburg. I mean, I, I love it down there. Yeah, right. And so I was like, oh, well, I have to do this interview instead of doing it live, do it over Zoom. But today is extraordinarily ugly outside. It's just nasty and it wet. It really is. So It I, was some epic rain on the metal roof this morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I don't feel as bad. Uh, it had yeah. it been great weather. Anyway, I'm very pleased that you agreed to come and, and visit with us. I want to welcome you to the show, Dorothy Vaccaro. And Dorothy, what are you? What do you, what do you do? So I am the general manager at Boxwood Estate Winery in Middleburg, Virginia. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, obviously I have an interest in wine because it's part of the name of my show. Just just a little bit. A little (laughs) bit. And I I come down there awful lot. And uh, whenever I speak to somebody who is a winemaker or a Vigneron or a Psalm or somebody in wine marketing or general manager like yourself, I always want to know their journey. How did they get into the wine industry? So can you share a little bit about how you got to where you are now? Absolutely. So before I started at Boxwood, um, I had been at the same government contracting job for almost seven years, six or seven years. And I hated it. I liked a lot of my coworkers, but the actual day to day, what I was doing, it just wasn't making me happy. I knew it wasn't the path that I wanted to go down. And so I was trying to figure out what that path was. And so I just started brain dumping in a journal of what are the things that I enjoy? What are the things that I'm good at? And all the things that came together were retail, hospitality, food, wine, Um, and my business skills that I got, you know, I have my marketing and entrepreneurship degree and I wasn't using any of that creative energy that I had, uh, that, you know, it was just 
day-to-day daily grind doing spreadsheets and things like that. So I decided, hey, let me check out this this wine thing because there's so many places in the area where maybe I could get a part-time job on the weekend, see how I like it. And so that's what I did. And I had some friends who I told them, look, I really want to go full-time in wine Um, because I was still at my previous job at the time when I first started. And they believed in me. They helped me kind of identify some opportunities that they thought might fit my skill set. And here I am. I ended up at Boxwood and been here since it's been May of 2017. So did you, so you didn't have any background necessarily in wine tasting or uh, taking, I, I saw on your, on the website that you've had some wine education at the, at uh, the DC wine school. Yeah, I got that after I started at Boxwood. I had zero professional experience with wine. Um, You know, I grew up when I was a teenager. Of course, everybody's working in restaurants and bars and everything, but I knew absolutely nothing about wine. And when I moved (laughs) to Virginia, started going out with my girlfriends, just going to the winery. Mm -hmm. And I started to pick up instead of just going and sitting and, you know, drinking with your friends and having lunch, I started to really pick up on the nuances of wine and realized that it was something that I was really interested in. And of course, because I have a background in retail and hospitality, it just all kind of came together really nicely. Yeah, that sounds very similar to my experience. Uh, I I did drink, but I used to make fun yeah. of my wine drinking friends, to be quite honest. You know, I, I have a very good friend, one of my best friends who lives in Colorado. We went to high school together and he's this uh, big wine connoisseur. And I, I've been ribbing him for the last 30 years about that. But uh, my current <laughs> partner, Joan, um, we started going to these wineries. She's a, she likes wine. She's a big wine person. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I found that I have a, I, I really got interested not only in the, the taste of wine and the, the nuances of it, but the making of it. And I found that the Absolutely. people around wineries or in that culture were interesting people. You know, I, I bet you have a ball. There are, absolutely. There are a lot of characters in this industry. I um I do another podcast <laughs> called Vino and Convo with Fletch and Couch or this guy named Aaron Couch and we uh we talk about HBO's The Wire and we drink bottles of wine. <laughs> now we started we decided to start this guess when March. All right, so nice. boom pandemic. So I, I wanted to highlight just like on this podcast area wine, and since the uh, our movement was rather restrained because of the shutdown. We have had to use my private stash. So guess what? We've been drinking. Oh no! Well, are you dwindling? Do I need to send well, you wine? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, it was pretty big. I'm. I'll always take something else. But um, <laughs> we've been featuring boxwood a lot on the show because that's what's a lot in, in my collection. I have, you know, it was boxwood eight six eight, black ankle. That's so awesome. In Green Hill. So, I, in fact, okay, I wrote, you started this in March. I'm going to have to find this, this show now. Oh, okay. <laughs> You'll have to send it to me. Okay, I'll send it to you. I'll send it to you. But we, we highlighted the 2015 Reserve, which is like one of my favorites. I was really, oh, yeah. it's one of those bottles. I'm, I, I'm happy drinking it, but it kind of makes me a little sad when I open it. Because then yeah, it's gone. Yeah, me too, because it is <laughs> going at the winery. I think we're under 300 cases now. Wow. It's, it's not going to be around much longer. But 2019 might be the next reserve vintage. Hmm. Okay. I, well, you, that's a great segue. Cause I was wondered, you asked me when I asked you to come on the show, what I was going to ask you about, and I'm not 
you know, going to like drill deeply into your wine knowledge or anything like that, even though I know you know quite a lot by now. But I'm sure working there, you've heard about the weather this year and how you expect the grapes to turn out. So if I'm hearing you correctly, I guess the answer to the question of how do they think the harvest is going to be this year, it's going to be good possibly? So yeah, well, the 2019 vintage from last year, Uh last year was an amazing growing season. So we're hoping that that will turn into the next reserve. 2020, the crop may be even bigger. And the only thing that I'll say right now is we have to wait for the next couple of weeks and see what the weather's like. If we get dumped on with a lot of rain before we're picking, that's going to put us in a sticky situation because you know, grapes, you know this, grapes do much better under stress and in heat. So when there's a bunch of rain that comes right before you need to pick these grapes, they're going to soak up all of that water. They're going to dilute the sugars in the grapes. And that's where we get a really watery vintage like we did in 2018. Right. Yeah. I I remember 2018, they were all of the winemakers who were tending the fields. They were all looking very uh, down. (laughs) It was grim. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but I, you know, it's funny now that I am, uh, am in wine culture somewhat. Um, I when I when I look at the weather, I never used to think about grapes. I had no reason to. But earlier this earlier this summer, <laughs> when it was so hot and so dry, I was thinking, wow, that's probably pretty good <laughs> for Absolutely. some of the grapes. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, I woke up during a rainstorm the other night. I think it was three o'clock in the morning, and the rain was just pounding on the roof. And I like stirred from my sleep, looked at the roof, said, this is not good for the grapes. Right. And I rolled back over and went back <laughs> to sleep. It was just like, it's so embedded in my brain now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, hopefully these last couple of days won't saturate it too much. I think that we're okay for right now. We just need to get a nice little dry spell before we pick. We're probably going to do the white grapes, um, I would say, in the next few weeks. It's usually the end of August and then into the beginning of September. The reds, we wait a little bit longer, but they're going through Verasion right now. They look gorgeous. So Mm. I'm excited to see. Well, you've probably had to test all of your management skills and creativity this year. uh, Yes. Given what happened right at the beginning of probably the peak or peak season of people visiting uh, your vineyard and your tasting room. You know, suddenly in March and, and, you know, actually I was talking to Joan and we were, I was like, oh, it's about to get warm. We're about to go down and we can go hang out. And next thing you know, boom, you got to stay home. <laughs> you can't go out. Yeah. So, so tell me about that. How did you guys uh, handle that? Uh, it was, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, I learned the most about what I do now in the last, you know, six months. <laughs> um we basically had to turn the winery into a 100% online business overnight. Yeah. You know, we, we weren't sure when we first started hearing about this coronavirus, it's like, Oh, this mysterious coronavirus, what is this? How bad is it going to be? How long is it going to last? And so we weren't sure, you know, is this a temporary thing? Is this something that is going to go away in a couple of weeks? Um, Obviously was not the case. But, you know, throughout the course of the spring, the standard stuff that we have are we have our big wine club events for our members where they come and they pick up their allocations. We do that twice a year, once in spring, once in fall. 
And we had to completely skip that this year. And we wound up mailing out 100% of the packages at cost to us instead mm. of the customer, because you know it's not their fault that we can't hold an event. Um, normally we would have at least 200 members come through, pick up their wines. We have all kinds of special barrel tastings and things like that that happen at those events. And it, it's one of the biggest perks of being part of the club. You know, we were able to coordinate a 900 package shipment out to all of those members and our members they just rallied behind us and they really right when we started advertising for you know free shipping delivery and curbside pickup everybody that were our regulars that would normally come and see us on the weekends we saw orders starting to come in from them right away and we're getting all kinds of notes of support from them and that was one of the biggest things that got us through I'll also say that turning it into an online business, we had to go to marketing, everything, everything yeah. was online marketing and we've been doing a good amount of stuff on social media, just, you know, working on our, our photography and Instagram and all of those good things. But when it came down to capturing people's attention and holding their attention and getting them to feel more connected to the brand, we decided that the best thing to do was go to video. And I've never done video before. Mm -hmm. So that was terrifying. <laughs> um, you know, you, you don't want to be learning how to do something on a stage in front of everyone, you know? So that was definitely a, a big learning curve for me and something that I actually really, really enjoyed learning how to do. Kind of wish I had learned how to do it sooner. But having all that extra time in isolation for everyone that gave me a chance to really hone in on, on those skills. And we were able to develop, I would say some pretty decent content for the first time that we were doing anything like this. Yeah. Well, full disclosure, I am a club member. <laughs> I'm not a regular cause I, you know, I can't get down there so Love often, it. but uh, you, I will say you all were very prompt with the shipping and you know, I think I got an email saying it should be there in the next couple of days or something like that. It was, it was very good. You, you all were really nimble and quick to react, I will say. Thank you. And, um, you know, I think Virginia, I live in Maryland and uh, mm -hmm. I'm, you know, I'm very proud of my state, born and raised a big Marylander. However, you know, Virginia just does its wine better. I mean, the wine, you know, the industry down there uh, is larger. And it got a, you know, and I think it learned how to do it better before Maryland. Maryland, some some uh, wineries in Maryland are catching up. Some are, you know, in my top five of the area. I love Black Ankle. Mm -hmm. I think what they do. Out I was there just is... gonna say I need to go to Black Ankle. I have a couple other members that are also members there, mm -hmm. and they love that place. I haven't been to a lot of Maryland wineries, um, but I think I would guess, and, and I'm not an expert at this, but I would guess that a lot of the differences between the types of wine have to do with the soil composition and what what conditions you guys are growing in versus what we have down here. Um, that's 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 true. Oh, that is correct. But in just my little <laughs> unscientific research, <laughs> my anecdotal research from doing my podcast, I, yeah. I would say that a lot of it has to do with, and this is just in the little area, there are larger producers in Virginia. And yeah. I think maybe a decade earlier the the winemakers down there understood 
we need to get some consulting in here and we need some people to come in here who know what they're doing and maybe pull up all these bonds, doing all those things. Maryland was about 10 years behind Virginia doing all of that. And so, you know, it's just, I, I just think, you know, the producers are larger and they know what they're doing better down there. And, uh, you know, I think that there's better terroir down there to, to make, by and large, you know, than to do it in, in Maryland. Maryland had a culture of uh, a lot of sweet wines at one time. So that was what my understanding was. But again, I, I can't speak from personal experience. Yeah. Yeah. No, they, they did. <laughs> they did. So they had, to, they had to get away from that. And we'll be right back after this short break. Hello, friends. I just want to take a moment to let you know about some of the other projects I'm working on and also let you know how you can reach me in case you know of someone who's thinking of buying or selling a home. Most of us only go to the home buying experience once or twice in our lives. More often than not, knowing what to do in order to get the best price for your home or understanding how to obtain financing or negotiating a winning purchase contract, it can feel like driving through Virginia wine country for the first time, you know, and not knowing where the best wine is being made. Or it can be like knowing what type of flavors you like, but not knowing the grape or the wine that will deliver that experience to you. You could use somebody with experience to kind of guide you along the way. You see what I'm doing there? No? I'll keep trying. Listen, if you know somebody who's thinking of buying or selling a house, please contact me, Howard Fletcher, 301-233-2845, or email me at howard at kw.com. My contact information is in the show notes. And even if you only have questions about the market, I'll be happy to help. Just reach out. Also, you can catch me and my buddy Aaron Couch breaking down all 60 episodes of HBO's The Wire while highlighting and drinking a bottle of wine or bottles of wine actually made by some of the best winemakers in the DMV on Vino and Convo with Fletch and Couch. You can find it on whatever platform you use to get this podcast or anywhere podcasts are found. We're everywhere. Check us out. Listen, you won't be disappointed, but that's enough out of me. Let's get back to the show and talk to Dorothy. That's one of the reasons why I made the podcast is because I wanted to support the industry. And I really do believe the Mid-Atlantic is somewhat like Napa in the early 70s. You know, we're, we're never going to be like California because we just can't produce that much grape juice, you know. Sure. Um, but I certainly think that the quality coming out of here is, is great, you know. I would agree with you 100%. I mean, we have in the past year, we've entered, I want to say at least three um, national and international competitions. And our wines have done really well. And I think that a lot of people that are not from our area don't see our wine as being able to stand up to a California wine because they just automatically think California is, you know, cream of the crop. They're going to produce the best stuff in the country. And while they do produce amazing wine, of course, there are a lot of pockets around the country that are doing really cool things. And I'm excited that they're getting more recognition now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what I like to tell people is from what I understand, everything I say I've learned from other people, um, that Same. you know that, that this area is, is much like the uh, the Rhone Valley and, and Bordeaux area of France, mm-hmm. and I just think the French like what we're doing here. We produce wine that goes with food. We produce lifestyle yeah. wine, whereas I think California, which does great stuff, 
I just think California wine, by and large, especially the reds, they're made almost like bourbons. They're made for you to drink a glass of this wine. You don't have to dr eat any food with it. In fact, if you eat food with it, the wine might overpower the food. <laughs> right. You I know? would agree, especially yeah. if you got a big, bold cab from Napa. Right. Oh, they're great. But you're right. I, I think that a lot of the stuff that's being produced in this area, it pairs so well. And food pairing with wine changes the wine so much. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things we're actually going to be doing in an upcoming, uh, it's not going to be summer school anymore because we moved it into September, but we're doing <laughs> a wine education class and it's going to be the third in a series that we've done. And the food pairing is the best one in my opinion at the end. <laughs> That's yeah. the one I get most excited about. But it's so crazy to me how much your wine can change when you pair it with different things. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that you, um, boxwood, like if I'm, when I tell people about the different wineries, I really like how your the design of your tasting room and how it's a little bit. It's cool, it's, right? Yeah, it's pretty contemporary, so to speak, Absolutely. compared to the, of some of the other more traditional old Dominion wineries that are down there. Mm -hmm. um, is there anything that, what would you tell people? about your winery that would set it apart from them? If like, if I said, I'm coming down to Middleburg or coming down to Northern Virginia, why would I want to go to Boxwood if I only have a limited amount of time? Sure. So we were talking, we, we mentioned sweet wines earlier, right? Mm -hmm. If you only drink sweet wines, you're not going to like Box, Boxwood's wine. Mm -hmm. Just plain and simple. We specialize in dry Bordeaux style blends. And we do have a couple things on our menu that look like single varietal. One is a true single varietal. One has 25% of secondary grape. We wanted to focus on, like you said, the climate in this area is very similar to the Bordeaux climate. <clears throat> Excuse me. And Mr. Cook, the owner of our winery, John Kent Cook, he was, he's been a huge admirer of French wines for his entire life. And when he knew he wanted to do his winery, he said, I want this to be in the Bordeaux style, I want it to be traditional, and but I want it to have a little bit of flair because I want that Virginia terroir to come out in the wines. And so our wines are also produced with 100% estate grapes. We do not bring anything in from any other vineyards in Virginia, nor do we bring in grapes from California. Everything that we use is grown on our property and we have 26 and a half acres under vine. So I think that really sets us apart. and. We have some really top-notch consultants. You touched on consultants earlier. Uh, Lucy Morton is our vineyard consultant, and she's, yeah, I can see her shaking your head, like yeah. you're nodding your head, rather. Yeah. She's world-renowned. Yeah, she's well, line. she's world-renowned, but if there was a, a mid-Atlantic uh, Mount Rushmore for wines, she, her, her, her head would have to be prominently on that mountain because, exactly. <laughs> because almost every winery that... I really respect what they're doing. If we talk long enough, her name comes up in the her conversation. Name comes up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So true. Yeah, she really knows what she's doing. Wow. She does. And we also have a winemaking consultant. His name's Stefan Duranancourt. Mm -hmm. And he is from Bordeaux. And he consults at vineyards all over the world. He has been consulting for Boxwood since its inception. And he's really helped to keep that continuity 
between the vintages and different staff that we've had over the years, he's helped Mr. Cook kind of actualize. He's helped him actualize his his dream and his his style that he wanted everything to be done in. Yeah. I guess he would say that it's it's much like Bordeaux then since this is where he's from. He is pretty much mirroring it. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I sure hope that's what he would <laughs> yeah, say. <laughs> yeah, no. No, I believe so. I believe so. But my palate is quite young and it's and even even though I'm not quite young, my palate is and even if <laughs> and even if that it's pretty dull. I mean, I will say that. I, I know a I feel like I know a good drinking wine, but if you're asking me to write your tasting notes, you don't want me to write your tasting notes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you know how to get better at that, right? Well, no, tell me. You just drink more. <laughs> I, expected you to, I figured you would <laughs> say more, that. <laughs> the more you taste wine and the more you, um, you know, kind of try different wines against one another, that's the biggest thing that, that develops your palate and helps you pick out aromas and... Yeah. That was what I was taught. That's what my friends told me. <laughs> it's worked so far. <laughs> well, you know, that's the answer. Everyone says, okay, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're right. You must be right. Okay. <laughs> so tell me, what's on the horizon, uh, I guess, moving into next year or in the future for Boxwood first, and then for Dorothy second? What, tell, tell me what's what's in your future, if you can. You know, I know you're not a soothsayer. Well, it's... it's uh, it's hard to say, honestly, with everything that's going on. It's almost like, do any of us know what right. we're going to be doing right. next year? The zombies might show up next year, so you never know. Seriously. <laughs> I mean, murder hornets, all kinds of things. Right. Who knows what's going to happen? But we're just going to keep doing what we've been doing so far. We're going to keep putting out great content and keep connecting with our customers. And we've had a surge of people that are coming out in support of the local wineries lately. And so as long as we're allowed to keep having people come to the winery, we're gonna do everything we can to make sure that they have the best experience possible. Um, you know, we had to change our operations a lot. We have all the tables are social distanced. Everyone's of course wearing masks and gloves and we're sanitizing things, you know, on the hour, every hour and in between every single individual party. I mean, we've completely adapted at this point to run the business in this current climate. And so I would say, you know, in the future, the only thing that is going to be certain is going to be continuing that adaptability because you just never know what's going to be coming at us next. But I do think things like virtual tastings that we've been doing, those have been, I mean, everyone's doing them, right? Right. But they've, they become really popular and people aren't just doing one virtual tasting and saying, well, I've done that before. They're, the individual wineries are really putting their own spin on things and are able to, you know, we're able to get repeat customers to come to these virtual tastings and interact with the winemaker and the vineyard manager. They're getting some experiences that they weren't getting before because you wouldn't see the winemaker in the tasting room on a Saturday. So those kinds of things have definitely helped. As for me, um, you know, again, I have absolutely no idea. I'm just going to keep going with the flow, doing the best job that I can. And whatever comes next, it's just, you got to be flexible. You got to be able to adapt. If you can't do that, then well, I don't even know how to finish that <laughs> sentence. You know, it's like, <laughs> well, 
Well, you're in a very from, do? from from my perspective, if you want to stay in the Virginia wine industry, local wine industry, you are in a great spot. So, you know, I can see why you yes. just want to continue. We're recording this on August 13th for those people because, you know, podcasts live forever. But and I know things are always in flux. But as of now, mm-hmm. let the audience know how they can visit your winery. Are you taking reservations or is it, how's it, what's the setup as of August sure. 13th? So as of now, we um, are open Thursday through Sunday in the fall. Well, rather in the winter, we're going to drop down to just Friday through Sunday, but we're going to be open Thursday through Sunday from 11 to six every weekend, as long as we can be. And we have a couple of different events coming up. We have two different classes, but when people want to make reservations or buy tickets for anything, everything's available on our website. So we have reservations that, you know, they're not required, but you can make them to just reserve a table. We have these group tastings where you have five wines poured out, a dedicated server. They'll give you all the information that you need about the wines and the winery. We're not doing tours around the building at the moment for obvious reasons, but we have a beautiful pavilion up in the vineyard. We have our press pad on the back of the building, which is where we're going to be harvesting grapes soon. So I'm not sure how much longer we'll have seating out there, but that's going to be another cool part of the season coming up is that we'll also be doing harvest tours. And so while we're picking this 2020 vintage and getting it into the tank and barrel, you can come and see it and you can come and be part of the experience of the Virginia harvest. It's going to be, it's a really exciting time for us, especially now that we've kind of gotten through this crazy part of the summer and have kind of adapted to things and everything. This is where we shine. This is our specialty. This is what we do. So now we're able to get back to the basis of, of our business really. Okay. Well, Dorothy, thank you very much for coming on the show. I will, all of that, I'll put your, uh, the website in the show notes. And, you know, I would just recommend that if anyone is curious about uh, going to a local winery, if you haven't been to one, uh, Boxwood is a great place to start and to continue going. And if you haven't been there and you go to visit wineries, I don't know why you haven't been there yet. You should go. So (laughs) I will... I will be down there sometime, fingers crossed. Like you said, who knows what's going to happen, but sometime between now and the end of September, I will be there hopefully a couple of times. I don't know what you're going to do know yet, what you're going to do with your members thing yet. Do you, is that kind of up in the air right Uh, now? No, we don't. Um, I don't think that there's going to be a pickup party this year. If I would have to guess just for obvious reasons. That'd be smart. Yeah. The ones I've been to have been quite large. So that's probably makes yeah, sense. Yeah, exactly. It's a big to do and it's a yeah. lot of fun, but it's, it's something that, you know, not everybody's going to be comfortable with and we're not sure if we are either. So right. we might wind up doing the same thing we did in the spring and shipping everything out to everyone. But regardless, we'll still have little gatherings. So I'll, I'll keep you posted Good. on the events that are coming up and then hopefully I'll get to see you at one of those. Good. All right. Well, you have a good day and thank you very much for coming on. Thank you. Bye-bye. It's good to see you. Bye. Bye. Well, that's it for this episode of the Real Estate Wine and More podcast. 
I'd like to thank Dorothy Vaccaro for taking some time out of her very busy schedule to sit down and Zoom with me for just a few minutes. If you'd like to contact Dorothy or you'd like more information about Boxwood Winery, like their events at the winery, their tasting room hours, or how to order wine for delivery, please look in the show notes or Google Boxwood Winery. I am sure they will pop up. Speaking of websites, please go to howardfletcher.com where you can catch my profile of Dorothy along with other profiles of the many faces of the DMV that make it such a great place to live, work, and play. I also need to thank my good friend Russell Tierney for my theme music, Tasty Freeze, which is written and performed by his band, Cadillac Grip. If you're ever in the Denver or Boulder, Colorado area, go see Cadillac Grip play. Because if you ain't hip to the grip, (laughs) you just ain't hip. Thank you to my partner, Joan, my mother, Eva, and Jack, the Black Pug. I would not be possible without all of you. As for you guys, please stay safe. Wash your hands. Socially distance and wear masks. Do all the things you need to do so we can get through this very strange period. But most of all, drink good wine. I'm Howard Fletcher. Thank you for listening. I'll see you again soon. Bye-bye. 